Good morning, beloved Orangewood. Isn't it great gathering back in air conditioning this morning, being back in our place? Last week was awesome. I loved it. For those of you who came out and worshiped us on the football field, but I got to tell you, living in Florida, thank God for air conditioning, right? Thank God that we can gather in comfort. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the book of Galatians, this, this letter toward the back of the Bible, uh, this morning, we're going to begin a journey through this book. We're going to spend uh, uh, a substantial amount of time kind of leading us right up to Christmas. As a matter of fact, because of the storm, we're going to pick up one week of this in January. Um, but it's an incredible book. And really, the whole theme of this is going to be, there's one gospel there's one story of good news. We got to make sure that we're crystal clear, the understanding of what is the gospel? What is the good news that the Bible tells about uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us? So for some of you, this might be new. Uh, for some of you say, man, I would, I'm excited to know what this, this is. For many of you, this might be something that you have heard by God's grace most of your life. But because it's living and it's active, because this is the way that God has revealed himself to us, and this is the only access we have to him, this is so important. And the book of Galatians, uh, I love what Martin Luther uh, called this book. He called it his Katie. That's his wife. This is like my Katie. I mean, this is like my heart. This is where I see the gospel so clearly. So may God capture all of our hearts as we dig into his word. This morning, we're going to be in uh, chapter one, one through 10. Has mail not changed uh, throughout your lifetime uh, in the invention of this thing called the interwebs? Has uh, mail not amazingly changed? When's the last time you actually sat down and wrote a letter and sent it by snail mail to somebody? If you're here and you think, oh, it wasn't that long ago, I guarantee you, you have gray hair. Uh, most of uh, young folks are like, you know, what in the world is that all about? And today's amazing technology of texting or emailing or instant communication. But you know, that was actually uh, interesting to me that during the aftermath of Hurricane Irma, without power, and we, didn't, we were one of those uh, blessed ones that not have power for over a week, but without power, mail came. And there was something about mail coming that felt good to me. It was something like, there's normalcy. Nothing feels normal. I don't even know what day it is. I mean, anybody else feel that way with a loss of power? How could it change our lives as drastically as it did? I was like walking around, what day is it? I don't even know what's going on. And then all of a sudden the mail shows up. Like, oh, well, mail's here. Well, that's, that's cool. Uh, we know what the mailman's motto is, don't you? Anybody know it? Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays uh, these uh, couriers from their swift completion of their appointed rounds. A little research on that. Apparently, that's not the official motto, but something that uh, many have known. So going to the, uh, to the mailbox and trying to find this normalcy is just so exciting. You know, guess what I got? I was so disappointing. I mean, seriously, it's like, Okay, I can get Geico insurance. I can save a lot of money with this. I mean, it was like all these advertisements. I'm like, this is what mail has become. I'm like, oh man, I remember the days we just longed for a letter from a friend. Well, this morning we're going to be starting our journey looking through this book. It's called a book sometimes of Galatians, but it really is a letter. Sometimes they're referred to in as epistle, which is a fancy way to say letter in the New Testament. The New Testament is filled with these letters, primarily from the Apostle Paul, like this one. 
But their letters were different. They didn't come in the mailbox the way we received them. They were actually sent to, to areas of churches. And what they would do is they would gather in a worship format like this. And the entire letter would be read at one time. I'm going to be preaching over 11 weeks. But this would be a gathering of one time. And these letters, they were copied. And they would share letters. Like the, the church in Colossae would share, share uh, with the churches in Galatia. Uh, and they would copy them. And they would uh, start to get them more and more of God's word. And that's how God used to get his message out. Um, again, during the, uh, the aftermath of Irma without electricity, one of the things that was productive is I finally cleaned my home study. I was like, what else do you have to do? Let me, let me be productive. And so, uh, you know, cleaning and throwing out things. And seriously, I, I literally had like a couple of large trash cans of just junk that I've held on. But there's some things that you can't let go of, especially letters. What are the letters that you keep? What are the things that you know where they are? I mean, they mean something to you. Well, they have two and things, two ingredients with them. One is they're from somebody really important. Maybe it's a letter from a, a grandparent or a parent who's passed on, or, or maybe it's your kid writing a letter to thank you. Uh, maybe it's just uh, from a, a spouse or from a loved one. You keep them because of who they came from, they're associated with. And you like to keep those ones that are kind of timeless, ones that aren't just some information about a certain act of time, but something that means something to you through time. Well, Paul is giving us on a letter. And because he's an apostle, he's somebody who is important. He's a special messenger of God with a special message. And so he's giving us a message of the gospel and the gospel is timeless. So this is a letter that needs to be read over and over again. This is a letter that we need to keep going back to and because God's Holy Spirit actually breathed upon Paul this letter to us. Well, it's an interesting tone of this letter. We'll, we'll see it. And sometimes when you dissect something up the way we are, uh, you miss a little bit of the tone. But let me tell you the, little, the tone of this letter. Paul's angry. I mean, Paul's ticked. This isn't a letter filled with pleasantries. This isn't a letter that's just saying, hey, buddy, how you doing? I mean, as a matter of fact, it's very interesting. In this letter, a, a lot of the typical um, nuances of a letter, a lot of things like a thanksgiving, I thank God every time I remember you, it's not there. A lot of times it'd be a prayer, I pray for you without ceasing, it's not there. The tone of this letter is angry and Paul is gonna get right to the point. And right to the point is he's gonna defend two things. Two main things are gonna be defended. One is that his, as a messenger, God has put his hand on him. He's what we call an apostle. He's going to be defending the messenger, but much more important than defending the messenger, he's going to defend the message and the message of the gospel. Well, here's what's going on. Here's the setting. There are some troublemakers. He calls them troublemakers that came into the church of Galatia and they started to do two things. They started to discrediting Paul, the messenger. They're saying, this Paul guy, this guy's an imposter. He's not the real deal. And they started to distort the message of the gospel. And they started saying, you know, Paul told you this about Jesus, but he didn't tell you enough. There's more. And they started to distort the gospel. And Paul is astonished. He's like, golly, it's amazing. You guys are like leaving the good news of the gospel. You're banning this so quickly. I mean, this is the language like of, of a turncoat. This is a language of, of traitors. And he is really just angry. That how can you desert this one gospel. I got to tell you, if I'm around this kind of letter with this kind of tone, it's really honestly something I avoid. 
I, I think I've told you I avoid conflict. It's not a great characteristic of mine, but that's really who I am. I mean, I avoid it. I try to avoid it at all costs. And even when God is calling me oftentimes to stand and fight, my first thing is flight, not fight. But we often say, have you ever come across an argument and you have to wonder, is this my argument? Do I enter into this? I mean, sometimes you hear an argument going on. It's better to say, this is not my fight. This is not my issue. But you got to realize, Christians, church, this is our fight. This is our issue. Paul is going to deal with things, but these aren't just theological nuances. This isn't just religious squabble. This isn't some superfluous academic debate. You got to understand, this is life and death. This is life and eternal life. This is dealing with how God sees us and how we see ourselves and how we see God. We're going to see two points to this. One is, you don't mess with a God-made servant. And the second one is, you don't mess with a God-made gospel. So with that background, let's look to God's word. In Galatians 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 this morning. As we hear from God through his holy and errant word, through the pen of Paul, addressed to the churches in Galatia. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who were with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul writes in verse 6, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, But there are some who trouble you and wanted to distort the gospel of Christ. But if even, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. And Father God, we thank you for the one true gospel. That according to your will and through the work of your son and empowered by your Holy Spirit, you have given graciously to your children. God, this gospel cannot be added to, it cannot be detracted from. We can do nothing about it on our own except by your grace embrace it as an incredible gift of how our sins could be forgiven, how life can be given to us and that we could be adopted into your family. Oh, Father God, may this gospel be crystal clear to each and every one of us this morning. To the one who has heard it since 
their childhood to the one who's hearing it for the first time this morning. And God, would you be pleased to to speak your truth clearly through a broken sinner like me? Oh God, give us ears to hear your voice. Give us minds to understand your word in this letter. Give us hearts to embrace your truth in the gospel. And give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to give us life? Would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you want to follow along with me. We only have two points this morning. Don't mess with a God-made servant and don't mess with a God-made gospel. Faye Resnick. Do you know Faye Resnick? One of the many cast of characters that became famous or maybe you could say infamous through the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, O.J. Simpson being tried for the death of his uh, ex-wife, Nicole Brown. Faye Resnick was a very good friend of Nicole's. As a matter of fact, was going to be used, used by the prosecutors to say that there's clear evidence that, that O.J. did this because he has a pattern of doing this. As a matter of fact, she would say that even Nicole herself said the words that I know someday he will kill me and I know that he will get away with it. Wow. Can you imagine those as a, as a, uh, a prosecuting attorney having those kind of words saying, even before this, there was a suspicion from those who were close by that this very thing would happen. Well, it's interesting what the defense attorneys did. They attacked the messenger. They attacked Faye. They, they revealed things about Faye's character. They said, well, she's, she's addicted to cocaine. And, and as a matter of fact, she's been in rehab. And, and maybe, maybe it was through that cocaine addiction that, that this happened, this tragedy happened. As a matter of fact, they found out that, that she has written a book, that she had a book being written, and, and she's going to gain profit from what she's doing. And they basically said, hey, you are, you are uh, doing this just for your own gain. And basically attacked the messenger. Therefore, the message crumbles. Well, troublemakers have gotten into the church at Galatia. And what they're doing is they're, well, they're attacking the messenger. They're saying this Paul guy, this Paul guy, he, he's not a real apostle. Now, the word apostle is a very specific term given to the 12. I mean, those, those that are sent out, those special messengers with special authority uh, that have a special message. They speak for God, and, and God chose the 12 himself. Who's this Paul? He never even met Jesus when he was alive. So he's, he's an imposter. And really, he's only doing this for personal gain. It says in verse 10, he's not the real deal. Interesting scripture will be very clear how Paul does come to Christ. It's the road of Damascus experience. If you haven't read it, it's in Acts chapter 9. It's repeated through the book of Acts. It's an incredible story of how Paul goes from a persecutor of a church to an apostle of Christ Jesus. And it was the resurrected Jesus himself who, who met with Paul as he was on his way to persecute the church. 
and not only blinded him with the truth of the gospel, but he called him to a specific office that all of us have been blessed because of that to come and give good news to the Gentiles. And God had set him apart. This was a God-made servant with that special message that we need to listen to. Paul's going to start off his letter. He says, listen, I'm an apostle. First thing he says, I'm an apostle Paul. And it's not by man or through man. I got this right from God the Father through Jesus Christ. So there's an authority that we need to listen to. So I've got to realize that this is our fight. If it's true that Paul is an apostle according to God's word, that he is this special messenger, we need to listen to him in God's word. What is God saying through him? But they did more than just attack Paul. That's secondary. Paul's going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But the second thing is this, is don't mess with the God-made gospel. All right, I'm dating myself. Indiana Jones fans here? Anybody remember that first one? Raiders of the Lost Ark? I did a little research. It, it came out in 81. Anytime a preacher is using an illustration that came out in 81 and he was in high school then, you know, it's an old illustration. But it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Here's the premise. It's set in 1936. It's obviously fiction, but it's a story of Nazi Germany in pursuit of, of the lost Ark of the Covenant. And if they could get this Ark of the Covenant, they would have all this power. They would have the power of God harnessed in their camp. And so they had this great search for this lost Ark of the Covenant, believing if they could possess that, they would be sure to have world domination. Well, Indiana Jones and others were trying to make sure that didn't happen. Well, part of their pursuit was that they would come up with this medallion, this, this headpiece that would go on a certain staff that would reveal where the actual Ark is kept hidden. And it was interesting, Balak, uh, who is uh, the, uh, um, the villain in this movie, uh, he is in pursuit of this, and he finds this, this headpiece, he finds this medallion, it was actually in the fire, and he reaches out his hand, and he grabs it, and it sears into his hand a message, he can't hold on to it, but he has the message in his hand. And they realize that they seemingly have found where this lost ark is. But then they realize there's a message on the other side of the medallion. Because they only have one side, they don't have all the right information and they are digging in the wrong place for this lost uh, ark. Well, troublemakers have come into the church and what they're saying about Jesus is that you only have part of the gospel story. You don't have the full story. If you really want to be saved, yes, embrace Jesus as Lord and, your sa and Savior. But if you really want to be saved, you must also be circumcised. You got to be really come Jewish. And not only that, you have to follow the law of Moses. So they came in, they said, no, this Paul guy, we can't trust him. He's, 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 he's not a real thing. And they go and says, and his message, this gospel, he's only got part of the story. You need to have both sides of the story. You need Jesus. And on the other side, you need Moses. And you got to have that. And here's what they said. And they were called Judaizers. He said, salvation is this. It's Jesus plus circumcision plus following the law of Moses. That equals salvation. 
As a matter of fact, it was such an uproar that in the book of Acts, the first council of the churches, Acts chapter 15, is going to address this very issue. Because they said salvation comes through Jesus and through Moses. And Paul is saying, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Anybody who preaches that gospel or anything other than the gospel, let them be accursed. Now, these aren't nice words. Let them be under the ban of God's wrath. He's saying if an angel or myself or anybody says that salvation is about Jesus and add anything, let them be cursed. Wow, those are some strong language because that isn't the gospel. Okay, we ought to stop and say, well, okay, all right. So what is the gospel? Well, it will tell us even in these passages, what is the gospel? This incredible grace of God. Gospel Uangalion, it means good news in Greek. This is the good news. And remember, the good news is not what we do. The good news is what God has done for sinners like us. And he has done it from start to finish. It says in verse 3 that this good news of the gospel was that Jesus would offer up himself for our sins. That Jesus wasn't unwillingly dragged to a cross that he came to seek and to save the lost, you and me. And the only way that would be accomplished is that he would become an offering for our sins. He would become that sin offering. But it's not just about Jesus. We get this picture of this triune God in our salvation. What is the gospel? Well, Jesus offered himself up for our sins according to the will of God the Father in verse 4. So it was God's plan Scripture will tell us before time began to love you and rescue you through the work of Christ. This is the will of the Father. It includes a Roman cross. Unbelievable. But there's more. It's not just that he offered up himself for our sins. Jesus did according to the will of the Father. But that the Father raised him from the dead. That that sacrifice worked. That death was defeated. In the early church, there, there arose a uh, saying that was so wonderfully encapsulates the gospel. Christ died. Christ rose. Christ is coming again. We got to realize that we say that and may not unpack that, but let's remind ourselves, what does it mean? Christ died. Christ did die, but not just die. Here, Christianity is saying, the gospel is saying, he died, but he did more. He substitutionary death. He died in your and my place. And he died to deliver. He died to rescue. He died willingly. He laid down his life for his friends. It was not taken from him. Christ rose. The father raised Christ from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he rose, he, he rose in victory. He, he, he proclaimed that death has been defeated. He proclaimed the reality that, that the payment of our sins has all been paid, not just in part, but in whole. And truly through this atoning death and his cry, it is finished on the cross means it is finished. The wrath of God has been quenched in the offering of Christ on the cross. This is the good news of the gospel now. But there's more. Christ is coming again. And Jesus said that he came to earth. He says, I've come to announce this good news that the kingdom of God is, is at hand. And the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. 
We enjoy the benefits now of what Christ has done through his life and death and resurrection. Right now we have the the joy and the privilege of having been declared free and, and not guilty of our sins. We're forgiven and free. It says more. It says we've been emancipated from this present evil age. Interesting. It doesn't say you've been emancipated from the world, but from the present evil age. We've been given a gift of of not just God's love and God's redemption, we've been given a gift of God himself and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, guaranteeing that there's more to come and gives us the ability to cry out, Abba, Father. We've been the ability right now to be called his sons and daughters. Man, when he looks at you, he sees the beauty and the righteousness of Christ Jesus. For those of you who by God's grace are in Christ Jesus, there's more to come. There's more to come. This is not all it. We live in a time of wars and rumors of wars and of earthquakes. And we live in a time of hurricanes and disasters, natural disasters and, and man-made cause disasters. And we're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Christ died, Christ rose, and Christ is coming again. But what are the results of the gospel? They're so beautiful that he has delivered us from this present age. We are forgiven and free. We now are his. And it's all in verse four is for the glory of our great God. You see, you don't mess with the gospel. And you can't add on to the gospel. Why? This is good news. Listen, follow this, this, this true biblical line here. The gospel is the way that God reveals himself to us. The gospel is the way that you and I know of God. It's through the gospel we know that God is Father who who loves us enough to give us his only begotten Son. It's through the gospel that we know God the Son who, who would give himself for us as a sacrifice for our sins. It's through the gospel we know God the Holy Spirit has been given to us to give us new life and even the ability to embrace this good news of the gospel, a God who lives inside of us. We can't be messing with the gospel Because this is the way God has chosen to reveal who he is to us, but it's more. He reveals himself to us by his grace alone. And it's not just to relate to us, but listen, the gospel is the way that God rescues us. He doesn't just counsel us and pamper us. The gospel is the way he rescues us. And the gospel is is not just the rescue of God. It's the way that God gives us life and life abundantly. That my life is now hidden in Christ Jesus. The one who gave himself up for me. The gospel is the way that God has given us adoption. The way that God has given us sonship. The gospel is the way that God has given us an inheritance. It's all through the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. You know what this gospel is? It's a proclamation that we simply don't need Jesus to be a good teacher to tell us what to do. And we don't need Jesus just to be a great moral example to show us how to do it. The gospel is the, is the proclamation that we're dead in our sins and trespasses. We got nothing to add to this incredible good news that we don't need someone who's just gonna help us along the way. We need to be rescued. We need somebody who completely can save us, save us from ourselves, save us from hell and separation from God. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He gave himself up 
for our sins, a substitutionary atonement on our behalf. And here, you got to realize this. Jesus did this not just to give us a second chance to try to get it right. He didn't do it just so that we might now be more moral and better people. He did it once and for all to make us right in God's eyes. And if it's true, if the gospel is true, and if Jesus truly has paid the price for our sins, you ready for this? We cannot fall back into condemnation. If you are in Christ Jesus, we truly are free from the penalty and the power of sin. And one day we'll be freed from even the presence of sin. But nothing can be added to the gospel. Anything that's adding to the gospel is changing it to something else. That, that word really is that you're reversing it. You're reversing it. You're distorting it. You're, you're, you're undoing it. It's not the gospel. Preaching anything other than this is being accursed. I love it. He says, uh, Paul says, I'm astonished how quickly, listen to this, you are deserting the one who called you by grace. Here's the point. Deserting the gospel is deserting God who gave us Christ. Now, you're probably not struggling with salvation by Christ and Moses to a certain degree, especially circumcision. I imagine that no one here, or there's some, I've, I've met some who wrestle with it. We got to keep the Mosaic law a little bit more, ceremonial law even a little bit more clearly. But I bet you that many of you are like me, where you still are adding to the gospel. That you will say, yes, I'm saved by the work of Christ and the grace of Christ, but now I got to earn this. And now I got to add, I got to add my works. And I got to add my, my good stuff. I got, I got to be better. I got to do the sanctification thing. And yes, God is going to make you more like him. But you and I add not one iota to the equation of the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. We are saved by God's grace through faith, through Christ Jesus alone for our salvation. And we, we can't come to him and now say, we're going to see this through this book. Hey, we started off by grace, but also we work really hard and make sure we don't lose it. You see, in the gospel, it's all or nothing. My college son, Caleb, and the influence of friends, a friend who now has a job that pays him enough money to get a place for a little getaway in Vegas, invites his college friends, come to Vegas. Your college kid goes to Vegas. Oh, Lord Jesus, please be with him. <laughs> I love my son. He's a good kid. I want to tell him, okay, Caleb, now remember, you, 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 if it sounds too good to be true, it's, it's, it is. And know that they're out there to, to get you. And for goodness sakes, don't bet everything on one thing. <laughs> Go have some fun. Don't put it all on red. Or, Come on, number seven. I'm proud to report he went with $200 and came back with $350. <laughs> Scares me to death because he might go back. And by the way, I love the fact that he'll be here with some baseball buddies in the late service. But, you know, when it comes to betting, it's not usually good to bet all or nothing on one thing. Let's talk more practically. Maybe your 401k retirement or diversify, right? Diversify your assets. I mean, don't, don't get caught in the trap of putting everything in, on one thing. If that goes south, you're in trouble. I remember a family member who did that. He put a lot of his retirement on the thought of one thing and it didn't pan out. And 
the pain of that loss in many ways crippled his retirement. But the gospel is saying, you put everything on Jesus. You put everything on it. You put all your hopes. Listen, you put all your dreams. You, you put all of your sin. You put all of your righteousness, whatever that might look like. You put all of who you are on. Your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You just say, I'm all in. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm only saved by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. I put everything on him. How is it with you? Are you submitting to God's messenger like Paul? Well, it's not Paul. You're submitting to the fact that God has called Paul to speak into you in my life. Or do you look at the Bible and say, well, that's maybe some good influence, but it's not really my authority. If Paul is an apostle called by Jesus Christ through God the Father, God the Father through Jesus Christ, then you and I need to submit. Are you embracing this gospel? I mean, the gospel of Christ Jesus, or are you trying to add anything to it? In a church like this, often what we try to add are what the Bible calls filthy rags or our own righteousness, as if we could try to now go earn this. The gospel is the good news of what God has done for sinners like you and me. And it's all by his grace. And it's received all by faith alone because of the fact that Christ died and Christ risen and Christ is coming again. It's Christ alone. It's all according to God's word alone. And it's all for the glory of God alone. That sermon series we just preached on, Pillars. How is it with you? Do you know and love the God and the gospel that he has given to us? Let us pray. And Father God, forgive us for hedging our bets. Forgive us that in our flesh we want to justify ourselves. That maybe we look to Jesus as a counselor or a kickstart or someone who can help us get a restart to life. And I thank you for how passionately Paul defended the reality that there is no other gospel. The only good news that we could ever hear is the good news that God loves sinners like us enough to send a rescuer, a savior, not just a teacher and not just a moral example, not just a counselor, not just a friend. We thank you that he's all those things, but he's so much more. He is our only lifeline to you. He and he alone. We don't need another part of the story. He is the story. And may his story be our story, our life story. Father, I pray for the one here this morning that's maybe hearing for the first time and by your grace understanding who Jesus really is and what this gospel is. Would you draw them to yourself? Would you give them the gift of faith? Enable them to embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior. For those of us, God, who are hedging our bets for those of us who, who are trying to earn something that only can be given to us by grace. God, would you lead us to repentance and renew our faith in you? We thank you for this timeless letter.
We thank you for the gospel and the life it brings to sinners like us. We pray in Christ's name, amen.